Good morning. God bless you guys. Um, so last week, Garrett kicked off the year talking about uh, choosing your challenge, right? He talked about um, making a commitment to God and what God's economy looks like and what your life will look like by faith as a result of that commitment. And I want to spend some more time today on commitment, on the topic of commitment. Um, and, but before we, before we go any further, I'm just going to pray real quick and then we'll, we'll kick off. So Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, oh Dad, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace in our lives. Father, we thank you for today, you to open our minds to your word and our hearts to receive the truth that you have for us and that you would open the eyes of our understanding to discern the gravity of what we're going to learn today, Father. We know that your power is great and it is present. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray that over our, our lives and over our households and over this congregation today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So did you guys know that Garrett played football in college? Yeah. If you didn't, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about it a little bit. Ryan Kathy, you know, right? Like, okay, good. His parents know too, so that's good. So in college, Garrett got to play football. And... I don't know if you know this or not, but when you go to college and, and you want to play a sport, you don't get to play that sport because you put your name on a sheet that says, I would very much like to play this sport. Um, before you get to college, you, play, you have to play sports in high school. Now, when you, when you start playing sports in high school, maybe in, in, in the first year or two, you can sign up and just kind of be, be, play, be a player. And then, you know, you get kind of ranked and funneled based on your ability in that sport naturally and, and whatever, you know, coaching you have in, in that time. But even in high school, as those sports progress and as the players develop, the shift of the focus on that sport changes from a sport to a sports program. Now, at the higher levels of these sports programs, players can get drummed out in high school for volunteering based on their inability to play, based on their lack of ethic, based on um, their, their lack of devotion to the program. Right? And they start this subtle shift from you play a sport to now you're part of a program. And so when you get to college, if you get to play, and that's a pretty big if, it is because you played so well in high school that the, at the collegiate level, that program wants you to represent their school and their program. So Garrett got to play legit football, like big stage Crowds of people, like stadiums, televised broadcasts. Like, he was a legit football player before he came to lead this pa be a pastor here. And so I would like to have Garrett come up and just chat for a little bit on what it's like to play a sport in that kind of program and, and what that kind of entails. I Googled it all this morning, so. <laughs> so... Um, so the question one more time for me. Well, so to start, just yeah. what, what, is it, um, what does it entail to play a sport on that level? Like obviously you started young, Got so it. you kind of saw that, that transition from yeah. I'm just here to play to um, now mm -hmm. I've been asked to play. What's that, what's that like? Yeah, so the level of commitment is, is so much greater uh, like at, at that level. And obviously, you know, guys who play in the NFL, that, that level of commitment is, is even greater. Um, my dad played college football as well at, uh, at Ball State, and um, 
I had to mention the name because they were MAC champions this year. They won, they won it all, won their bowl game, so great year for the Cardinals. But uh, no, and, and I have great love for that team and that program because it's such a great part of my life. It has taught me so much. It is literally, uh, you're a part of a family uh, at that level. Um, and, you know, there, there is a, a great of deal of commitment, um, you know, to when I played at that level, it was, it's your life, you know. Um, they want everything. They want everything from you. Um, it's, you are theirs. And you're considered theirs because they paid a price for you. And when you're recruited to, to play, they, in, in most cases, will give you a scholarship if, if you're worthy of it. If they see, you know, the, the potential that you have, they will pay a big price to pay for all of your schooling um, because, like Steve said, that, you know, you, they believe in you well enough that you would represent their program and that you would lead the program to success. And um, it's, it's not like a game to them, you know, that level. It's, it's very serious um, because there's so much at stake, you know, the coaches' jobs and, and, and the livelihood of their families. So they take everything super, super serious. But again, they, they require a lot from you. And it's interesting that anyone in high school is like not really in the position physically or mentally to be able to play at the college level, but yet they purchase you, I'll say, or they pay a price for you at that age because they see something greater. They see, wow, if this individual comes into our program through our work ethic and, and our structure, through strength and conditioning and the training that we're going to put forth, the, 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 the meals that we're going to feed them, we believe that this person is going to grow to be really big and to develop and to just be great for us, you know, lead us to success. And... Um, when, when, when Steve had mentioned this to me yesterday, I, I was just thinking about um, the correlation, and if I'm going too long for a stop me, uh, the correlation to the, the body and like how God sees us, purchased us through the blood of his son. Jesus Christ came and paid a price for us when none of us were worthy, but it was only because he saw the value of who we could be when we get older hmm. and what we could bring to the table. See, I think some of us, like, we're not, there's so much greater, the value that we have and what we can bring to the table is so much greater than what we understand or even where we're at right now in our lives. But God just sees something greater, and yet he still paid a price for us. So even when we mess up, even when we screw up, and even when we may not be 100% mentally committed, let's say, he still sees the value that we could bring him, his son, and his kingdom. Hmm. So, Amen. Yeah. So let me ask you a couple questions here. <coughs> um, when you, was I just, I, I just, I, I didn't know I was preaching today. Without, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, sorry. <laughs> I gotta buy some time because now I gotta think of something else to say. <laughs> just, just, just kick me off, dude. <laughs> uh, when you started, when you started playing, um, at the D1 level, right? Yeah. Was that that's um, was it the same as when you played varsity in high school? No, definitely not. Like 
program program was a little bit close, not close. Like you, you're playing the same sport, but that's about all that's the same. Same sport, completely different game. Okay. All right. So um, let's see. Let's say when you're on a team like that, then and the program is is you know considerably more intense. Then when you when there are players that don't commit to that level of program, are they immediately cut? In college? Yeah. So. Um, you're not necessarily cut because once they once they give you a scholarship, they can't like kick you off the team, <laughs> which I also found a very interesting in the parallel with the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Once you're paid for, they can't kick you off the team. Now only you get to choose the type of experience that you have <laughs> on the program through your level of commitment. Because with everybody having one mind, one goal, one vision, and everyone's laboring into the same direction, uh, the ones who just don't want to be a part of that, they're still on the team, but it's like, man, they, they just, they have a whole different experience. Uh, and, and in some cases, those guys who chose not to be committed, um, it was a, a lot harder on themselves. Um, there was consequences, but they never were kicked off the team. They were always a part of the team. Yeah. But, um, yeah, totally different. High school, you know, next. You're not here anymore. Yeah, next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make room yeah. for the next guy. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't get to play. You don't get a jersey. But in college, different. You still get the jersey, but then, you know, to a degree, you maybe, not get, you maybe don't get to play. Right. Like, you'll be a part of the team. You'll be a part of their success. But you won't be a contributing factor to that success. That yeah, essentially. So, um, in, in, in college, there's something called the traveling team. And so that's kind of like the, 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 the starters and then their backups and sometimes their backups. And there's still more members on the team, but the traveling team gets to experience a lot of fun. They get to um, travel to different states, flying planes, to, to play in front of crowds and stuff like that. They're the ones who get to suit up for the game. Everybody else that's not on the traveling team, for the most part, uh, it's the real young guys that just aren't at that stage yet to, to be a contributor. Um, but everyone wants to be on the traveling team. Everyone wants to have that type of experience. So there's like that type of uh, level of commitment. I mean, those guys that are in, whether they ever get on camera or whether they carry the football, uh, the guys that even, you know, help the starters get prepared, they still can be on the traveling team and have an amazing experience. And um, and so it, it is. It is one of those things that again, there's various degrees of experience. Sure. All right. Last question: uh, When you finished your football career mm -hmm. uh, in college, were you a better player than when you started? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Awesome. Bigger, Thank you very much. For faster. Thanks for coming up and helping us out. Thanks for letting me. Appreciate you. All right. So now I'm going to switch gears here. And I bring that up for two reasons. Um, number one, right, a team is a group of people that work together to accomplish uh, a s the same goal. Okay? And uh, the church can be seen this way. As Christ followers, right, whether you're in this building or in another building or you don't go to a building at all, we're on the same team, right? We follow the directions of the same leader. 
and our intention is to move forward as our group together to the goal that Jesus Christ has set out for us, right? The second, th- the second reason that I wanted to is because a team um, requires you to start with commitment. To decide that being a part of this cohesive, like-minded group is very important and that you're going to do that, period. So, thanks again, Garrett, for coming up and kind of helping us out with that and um, helping draw some correlation here. I think that this will be very useful today. So, um, let me get my notes open here. All right. We're going we're gonna to start in Philippians. You can turn there now if you'd like. But um, Being part of a winning team requires commitment. If you want to be a part of a winning team, you've got to commit to that team. You've got to commit to that program. And if you want to be successful in that team, it requires that level of buy-in, right? Now, I want to make very clear that you're not going to get cut from the Christian church because you don't buy into the program, <laughs> okay? There's a, there, there are differences. I'm not saying that Christianity is football or anything like that. I'm not drawing that correlation. Um, ju- I'm just using the team a- analogy here. Um, <clears throat> within the Christian church, if you want to be a part of amazing things, then it begins with commitment. Plain and simple. Now, if you don't commit to the, to, to the things that... God has asked you to do. Are you still a Christian? Absolutely. Jesus Christ returns. Are you going up? Oh, yeah. You better believe it. Are you going to be able to experience all of the things and greatness that God has planned for you between the time you take you, you, that you give your life to Jesus Christ and the time that Jesus Christ returns or you pass away? Maybe not. So that's where I want to go. That's what I'm going to drive at with, with commitment today. There is change that happens in commitment. Right? Just like Garrett started out a different football, football player than when he left, there is change in your Christian walk from when you start to when you finish. When we commit to a new thing, change is simply the byproduct of that. Right? Let's say you go to your doctor for a checkup, you find out that you have high blood pressure. Your doctor will then say, eat this kind of food, do some exercise every day, and that blood pressure will come down. So you do that. You go home, you eat some oatmeal, you eat some salad for dinner, and, and then the next day, blood pressure's fixed, right? No. no. That's not how anything works. Change takes time, and commitment to that change drives you to do that thing every single day, right? So you wake up, eat oatmeal, go to lunch, and you have salad. You come home, you have a sensible dinner, you do a little bit of movement, and then you go to bed. And six weeks go by, and you do this every single day, and you go back to your doctor, and your doctor says, lo and behold, those numbers came down, just like I promised you they would. Right? You stuck to it. You committed to a thing, and you saw the change in that. When we commit to the things of God, we will be changed. We will be changed. Okay? That change happens from the inside out, and that change is not facilitated by our actions. Rather, it is facilitated by his work through us. Okay, Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to go to... I should... Verse 6. Now, Paul is uh, writing to the devoted followers in Philippi, and he says in verse 6, 
that I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And the Passion Translation, it says, I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work within you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches on it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, let's say now you've got your blood pressure down and you decide you're good. You don't need to continue this this new method of life and living and, and healthy eating, you're just going to skate now. You're going to quit what you've been doing. And the result of that, the next checkup, is your blood pressure is going to have what? Gone back up, right? Like that's the natural progression. Now, is eating bacon wrapped sausage and whipped cream more fun than oatmeal for breakfast? Absolutely. Yes. Is it necessary? <laughs> Maybe. But is it the best? <laughs> Not at all, right? So now you've gone back to your, your doctor's appointment. And he said, well, man, sorry, your, your blood pressure spiked again. What are we going to do? Do, we, do you freak out? Do you just quit? And you're like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to die of heart failure because, you know, that's how it is. Blood pressure went back up. No fixing it. No, that would be ridiculous. If you went into the doctor and, and, and he gave you that plan and said, well, yeah, I mean, you tried. It worked, but then it didn't work. Um, I, you're doomed. Right, as a patient, you'd be like, well, I'll get a new doctor today. That's what I'm going to do, right? You know what works. You just have to go back and what? Recommit and make it work. We just recommit. So, too, when we commit to the things of God and we slip, it's not the end of the road. Now, the devil would love for you to believe that it is that you have made spiritual progression in your life, and then you blew it, and there is no coming back, because you ought to know better. Man, is that a lie. We need to readjust, recommit, and see change again. That is simple as making a decision. You, you take more effort in turning on a light switch than you do to just change your mind and commit to something else. You make the decision, it's a split second, that's it. This is how I live now, this is how I behave now, and and then God does the rest. Remember, our work isn't what facilitates his goodness. His work within us facilitates goodness. There is no shame in recommitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no shame in that. And I will stand toe-to-toe -to -toe aggressively with anyone or anything that would try and convince you of that otherwise. I, personally, I will stand on your behalf and fight that thought because that is devilish. There is no shame in what you do for the Lord. Um, go to Hebrews chapter 3. Ooh, Steve's fired up today. Jeez, he's yelling and everything. Well, I'm, you know, yeah. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 says, Exhort one another every day, as long as, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We will exhort one another daily. To exhort means to build up with the word of God, to encourage people in Christ to remind people where they are, to when you see some deviation in their life and living and you know that it's not what God has designed for them, you gently take them back. You don't smack them over the head with your Bible and say you ought to know better. 
We just remind them, guys, this is, this is where God wants you to live. This is how Jesus Christ set an example for you to live, and we guide them back. And, and sometimes we have to guide ourselves back. Sometimes there's not that keen of an eye in your area or in your sphere of influence to guide you, and sometimes God will make it available for you to recognize a thing and readjust and realign on your own. But again, it's not because of you, it's not your work, it's not you grinding day after day to get it done. It is God's work in you, okay? I don't want this to be some real heavy, I'll never get there kind of, kind of conversation, right? This is, that's not what God wants for you either. If you need to recommit your life to Christ, I am here to tell you that God is good, that he loves you, and the accomplished works of his son Jesus Christ put you in front of God, holy and without blame, and when he looks at you, he sees Christ. Go to 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5. We are starting in verse 5 today. It says, uh, nope. First John 1. Sorry. 1, 5. I thought it looked different. I was like, it was on this page yesterday. All right, First John 1, 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and practice not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he, God, is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That fellowship is us and God communing together. We have fellowship with him when we walk in the light. Keep reading verse 7. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If you are cleansed, there is no remnant of what stained you. Okay? The literal Greek does not say that this is wiped off. It says cleansed. There's a big difference. This is not the spiritual equivalent of taking a camp shower with a wet one. Okay? When you are cleansed, you, the, the thing that you are dirty from is removed in its entirety. You have been cleansed from sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are not dirty anymore. Now, is it possible to be out of fellowship with God in sin? Yes, it is. Is it the end of the world when we do? No, it is not. Can we recommit to the Lord and start over in a moment's time? Yes. Yes. Because of God's grace and forgiveness, we can. We can start over just like that. Okay? Now, to that end, grace does not make it okay to sin, but it is what presents us before the Lord holy and acceptable and able to start over. God does not expect perfect from us. God expects commitment from us. He knows our frame. Psalm 103.14 says he knows our frame that we are dust. Now, if you are a God that knows that, can you put an, a, an, an expectation on that thing made of dust to be perfect? Can you make it possible for that to be perfect? Yeah. Now, now we get into a different kind of thing here. You know, I, I want to read Psalm 103. Go to Psalm 103. 
I want to show you the nature of your God. And when you mess up, this is still the truth here, okay? Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives some? Anybody's Bible say some? Anybody's Bible say less than all? Just, no? Because mine says all. So I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Who forgives all your iniquity and heals all of your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who sanctifies, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the angle the the, uh, the translation passion says that he will supercharge my life so that I soar like an eagle. Verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, that is kind and tender-hearted. He is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Verse 9, he will not always chide. To chide is to look for faults for the for the sole purpose of holding guilt against. You, your God doesn't chide. Nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field. For the, and then when the wind passes, it is gone, and its place is known no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to his to children's children, our commitment to God brings a generational impact to our families. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. All. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts and ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works and places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I am concerned that not everyone understands commitment or is willing to commit by faith because they are afraid because the devil has been lying to them. Whispering lies, you're not good enough. This isn't for you. That testimony wasn't actually God. You're a broken sinner. You'll never be able to. You're not. You can't quit now. And that's not okay. That is not okay. And I'm not okay with the idea of people being talked out of the greatness that God has in store for them because he is good at lying. No, I refuse to let the garbage of the devil talk you out of what Jesus Christ came to fulfill in your life. The Holy Spirit will break those lies. When you hear Garrett stand up here and say that by faith this year is going to be pivotal, 
that your life will be filled with greatness, that power will flow from you through God, through you from God because of your commitment by faith, you should be excited. When a coach walks into the room and says, team, we're going to state, 100% of that room freaks out. They are all on board. Now, whether you held the ball for the kicker or whether you stood on the sideline because you helped the kicker prepare for that moment, guess what? You're going. You should be excited when we stand here and tell you that in the name of Jesus Christ, you have power. This applies to you. When other pastors are talking about their church moving forward this year and this year being a year of the miraculous for them, guess what? Same team. You ought to be excited about that. Because when the Christian church moves forward, we move forward. It applies to you. You're part of this family. You're part of this team. And I will not let the devil steal that. I will not sit idly by and allow the deceitfulness of sin to rob the church. So I will exhort, because it's called today, change comes from God. Commitment comes from us. Yeah? Let's go back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 13. Let's go. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share or to be mingled with Christ. If indeed we hold our original commitment, that word confidence is commitment. If we hold that commitment firm to the end. You are here because we're pressing into the things of God. That may seem overwhelming, but you are perfectly suited to that task. You can go almost anywhere and be served, but I believe that you're here because you want to serve. And that's what we want. We want to partner with like-minded people and move forward and grow and develop and act by faith. It will not always be comfortable may not always be easy, but 100% truth right here, it will always be by faith for his glory. All right? Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, for, for making this truth stick in our hearts. That today, we break the lies and the chains of the things that are holding us back in the name of Jesus Christ, and we move forward with you. And whether that's in this building or in another building or in no building at all, Father, the movement forward is with you as Jesus Christ is Lord. We claim perfect wholeness and health and ask, Father, for your forgiveness to be gracious in our lives continually as it always is. And we pray, Father, for wonderful wholeness that you would prepare your church physically for the task that you've called us to do. 
And so we thank you, God, for your work of preparation in us. And thank you, God, for promising to commit to that end until it is perfected. And we thank you, Father, for your, your promises to us that are yes and amen. And we give you glory today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks.